The following audio is from Overland Park Community Church. More information about OPCC is available online at www.overlandpark.cc. It's good stuff, man. It's good stuff, okay? So uh, that's what we're going to be exploring for the next few weeks. I think we're going to have a lot of fun. But before we get into that, I, I have a secret that I'm a little bit nervous about whether or not I should, I should share. Um, I, but I, I kind of feel like, I don't know if this is the right venue, um, but I kind of feel like maybe, maybe I should expose you guys to the secret. So, not really, I don't have a secret, okay? The point is, is that when I say I have a secret, you're immediately like, hmm, I wonder what this is going to be about. Like, what's going on at the church? Is he about to tell us something that no one else knew about? And so we, there's the power of the secret. Like, we want to know, man, if there's a secret, I want to be in on it. Like, like I know a secret, you know? And so it makes us feel like we know something that someone doesn't know. It makes us feel a certain sense of power. And it's just amazing to me, um, the power of a secret. And so now what I want you to do with me today is I want, me to, I want you to use your imagination, Okay? So just a little bit of an imaginative experience today and go back in time with me. So we're going to kind of put our imagination caps on and and go back in time to a long, faraway place. And imagine we as a group are, we're just walking along um, the beach and it's warm outside. The sun is beating down on our face and we feel the warmth of the sun We've got sandals or flip-flops on, and we, we feel the warmth of the sand beating down on, or going in between our toes, and we're just kind of cruising along the beach together as a family, and we look up ahead, and there's a gathering of people, and we're like, what's going on up there? And we find ourselves caught up in the gathering of people, and we're like, what, what's, what is this? And there's such a crowd, we can't kind of, we can't figure out what it is that's going on, and we try to get in there close, and as we get close, all of a sudden a guy gets in a boat and he kind of pushes out in the water of this lake that we've been walking um, by. And as he pushes out in the water, the crowd is forced to kind of back off and everybody gets into a, a comfortable position and the guy, he, he begins to talk. And so we've been caught up in this. We don't know what's going on. We want to hear, this must be good. It's going to be good. And he starts to talk to the crowd. And he says, as he begins his talk, a farmer went out to sow seed. And as he was sowing, some of the seed fell on the path. And birds came down and flew by and ate up all the seed. And as he was scattering the seed, some of the seed fell around rocky soil that was shallow. And the seed quickly sprang up. And Then the sun came out, and because of the heat of the sun and the shallowness of the soil and the plant didn't have any root, it scorched the plant, and it faded away. And then some seed fell among thorns, and it grew up, and you could see the plant, but the thorns choked out the plant, and it was unable to produce any grain. And then there was some seed that fell on good soil, and it sprang up, and it grew, and it produced some 30, some 60, some 100 times. He who hath ears to hear, let him hear the end. Like You look at me, and I look at you, and you're like, what the heck was that about? Like that, what, is, what is the guy talking about? 
And that's exactly what Jesus did in this story in Mark chapter four. Like he just stopped the story right there. And he was a master with his use of the parable. Parables had been around, but no one had ever used the parable like Jesus used the parable. And he would take something that everyone understood and he would tell a story. And so he tells this story and people are walking around going, what, what does this mean? And that was exactly the point of the parable. It was to leave you at a point where you were really searching on the inside of what, what does this mean? What is this guy trying to say? And some would just probably not even think about it at all. And so what happens is the disciples later ask Jesus, why did you teach this parable? And Jesus responds in something very interesting. He says in verse 11 of our text in Mark chapter 4, he told them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on the outside, everything is said in parables. And so we see in this parable that there is a kingdom secret. And so we look at it and go, okay, I want to know what is the secret of this parable. Now, we often apply this teaching to whether or not a person is saved, like they are in the kingdom or out of the kingdom. Has a person come to a place where they've had a born-again experience with the Lord Jesus Christ and their life has been transformed by the power of God itself? And, and that's not a, a bad way to use the parable. It certainly teaches that. But I think there is something more about the secret of the kingdom that is found in this text. And, and I think it's good for us to ask ourselves the question, am I in the kingdom or am I out of the kingdom? Because everybody is either in or they're out, and that is based upon our relationship with Christ, and we can learn about that and dive deeper into that relationship. In John chapter 3, Jesus has this conversation with Nicodemus, and he talks about being born again. And so that's a, that's a good question to ask, and that's, a, that's the beginning. But there's more, like there's more here in this parable for those of us who have already had that experience we can't just read this parable and go, well, that is for a person who hasn't met the Lord. I've met the Lord, and so I am good soil. No, there, there's a secret here that we need to understand about the kingdom. Mark opens his gospel with an important statement in Mark chapter 1. In Mark chapter 1, in verse 15, Mark tells us that Jesus made this statement. The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Now, if you've been around this church very long, you've heard me talk about the word here for time. And if you stay around this church very much longer, you will no doubt hear about it. Because I've been walking with people for the last year trying to teach them about this moment. And my hope and my desire as a pastor is that this 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 infiltrates our entire body and that we fish this entire pond out that everybody who's here who hasn't gone through this process and understanding a really good, complete comprehension of what this means, they go through it and that we're reaching out and teaching other people what, what this is about because again, as Jesus says, the, the time has come, the kingdom of God is near. And so the word here for time, we find in the Bible, there are two words that are often used to describe time. And one of them is chronos. And so it is like, what time is it? It's a measurement of time. Like chronos in this uh, instance would mean like, how, what time 
is this guy going to quit talking today so that I could leave? And so a chronos in that would be about 11 o'clock, unless (laughs) the other word that is used is kairos, and that is when the kingdom starts breaking out. So every week, like, so chronos means a measurement of time. Kairos is like a season of something new happening. And so Jesus uses the word kairos, not chronos, in this statement. He says, the time kairos has come for the kingdom to break out in a totally new way. Now, obviously, that was with Jesus' arrival on the planet. But it also applies to each one of us in which Christ expects for their kingdom to constantly break out in our lives. And so I say, well, I, I, I will be finished at 11 o'clock. That's always what I, I intend to do is try to wrap things up and get you out of here at a little after 11. That is how we try to measure the chronos. I don't want to give you, uh, I think the old statement is here, the mind can only absorb what the rear can endure, Right? And so I don't want to take you past that. But what if the kairos begins happening and, and, and the, the spirit of God starts breaking out in my life and something comes out of me that I wasn't anticipating sharing, but just through the anointing of the Holy Spirit, God takes us on a journey and he shares some truth with you that what somebody in here needs that, that potentially is at a, a deep place of depression that I have no idea about. And through the anointing and the kingdom breaking out in my life, God ministers to that person unbeknownst to any of us. It happens all the time. It, then we may go 11.05. We may go 11.10. What if, what, what if the kingdom started breaking out in every one of your lives? We may not ever dismiss, right? But it's possible. And so we, we look at this and we go, okay, well, this Kairos thing is supposed to be happening for me. The first time that it happens is when the kingdom breaks out in my life for the first time and I enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ. I confess that I'm a sinner. I ask the Lord to forgive me. I believe that Jesus died for my sins and rose from the dead. Um, as the song we just sang about, he conquered death and I will conquer death too because now my faith is placed in him. His Holy Spirit moves into me. That is a Kairos moment. That is the beginning of my journey. But we have a timeline, a spiritual timeline that happens between everything between our birthday and our death day. And so Kairos happens at my life. In my life, it happened at nine years old. There was a Kairos moment. Boom, I met the Lord. And so I started walking and following the Lord. I was later baptized and I followed the Lord in baptism. There was another Kairos moment for me. I started earning a wage when I was 15. I was washing dishes, and my mom taught me about biblical giving, and that was another sacrifice. It was a kairos moment for me. Then at about 16, I started getting concerned about myself, and the kairos moments quit happening. And so for a period of seven years, there was really no great kairos moments in my life because I was rebelling and standing away from what the Lord had called me to, and I had just kind of put the Lord on the back burner. But at the age of 22, I I found myself in a place of crisis and I was trying to navigate through something that was very difficult for me. And as I was wrestling through it, somehow the Lord called me back to the word and I started reading the word and I understood the word like I'd never understood the word before in my life. It just consumed it. And what happened at that point in my life is another Kairos moment. And so then God started calling me to different things in obedience, and what what took place is is Kairos started happening over and over in my life. Now, 
here I am, 47, 20-something years later, and that has been the cycle of my life is there was a period where I was living as a follower of Christ and there were no Kairos moments happening. All that I had was to lean back on what had happened in the past. But then I came to this awakening that happened for me and I surrendered to the Lord once again and I got serious with my faith and Kairos started happening over and over and over and over again. And that's how I even found myself in ministry. And so there, that is the, the secret of the kingdom is that the Kairos moments can happen over and over, and that's, that's the way we're supposed to live. The, the Lord calls us, he says, if anybody wants to be my disciple, let him take up his cross daily and follow me. What does that mean? It means I've got to die to myself every day because the kingdom is going to try to work itself out in my life in some capacity. And so we, we, when we look at what we're learning here, and Jesus talks about this, this kairos, what we have to understand is that the kingdom is constantly supposed to be breaking out in our lives. So we go back to this parable and we think of it in terms of, okay, it has one application for the believer, but once we become believers and followers of Jesus Christ, it has an application for us. And I think it's something that's important for us to understand. And so as we look at verses 13 through 20, Jesus himself gives us an interpretation of the parable that he shared. And this is what he says. So they're asking, like, what does this parable mean? And he says in verse 13, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Okay, so when we look at the parable and he says, the farmer sows the seed, he says, look, that, that's about anybody who sows the word. So as a person takes what we find in the Bible and they sow it, and so right now, I'm sowing the word into your life. So right now, in this particular instance, I'm the farmer sowing the word into your life. You could be the farmer sowing the word into somebody else's life. And so the farmer comes along. Anybody who is sowing the word is the, fa is the farmer in this parable. And so you could be the farmer at any given time. You're sowing the word into your children. You're sowing the word into your spouse. You're sowing the word into a coworker. You're sowing the word into the, the people of God. You're sowing the word into a lost person. You're just sowing, 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 constantly sowing the word. That's, that's the farmer, okay? He says, but um, as the farmer sows the word... As soon as the people hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. And so as the word is sown forth today, the birds in the parable represent the devil himself that would come and snatch the word out before it can do anything. It falls on the hard path, he says. It doesn't take root. It doesn't do anything. The bird flies by. He sees it. He swoops down. He takes it away and moves on. And there's nothing that happens in that individual's life. And so as I show the word today, and, and many of you are hearing, it's very easily that some of you could be like, no, that was great. I enjoyed myself, but I really don't get into that faith stuff. That's the devil snatching the word right out of your heart before it can do anything. The word for a believer can happen. It can fall on you as a believer and the Lord can call you to a place of obedience. And if your heart is hard in a certain place, the enemy can come swoop in and snatch that word right away from you before it ever is allowed to bring about any kairos in your life. And that's where you get into that place where there's no spiritual growth. And so as, as we continue to make the interpretation, Jesus tells us, that others, like seed on rocky places, hear the word, and at once they receive it with joy. But since they have no root, 
they last only a short time. And when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. So sometimes the word is sown. You sow it into your kid's life and it might fall on shallow soil. As I'm sowing the word today, and if your heart is shallow and rocky, you may have some shallow soil and it may spring up. You may, in fact, even be hearing this and going, man, this, this sounds good. This is exactly what I've been looking for. Something that would help me along in my journey. And you feel all emotional. It's kind of like January when you decide to work out, right? And all of a sudden it springs up. But then it says when trouble or persecution comes, it falls away. So the sun that he uses in the illustration comes to scorch the plant. And because it has no depth of root, then what happens is it burns up. Now, there, there's a couple of very interesting things that we have to key in on in uh, verse 17 that I want you to see. First of all, the, the word trouble comes from the Greek word thalipsis, and it means affliction that causes pressure. So affliction that causes pressure is this, so when I feel pressure, Inside of me, that's what this word trouble is about. The second word is persecution, and it comes from the Greek word diagmas, and it means harassment inflicted, inflicted from the outside. And so I've got this idea of this pressure from affliction and harassment going on in my life. But watch this. What is causing the harassment and the pressure? Often we make the grand mistake of saying, well, it is people who are against the things of God. They trouble and persecute us. But that's not what verse 17 says. Where does the trouble and the persecution come from? Because of the word. So when the word is sowed into a person's life, it can bring about pressure and affliction. And it can cause us to start wrestling with something internally that is going on with us. And it can be so difficult that it is the kingdom itself trying to break out in my life. The kingdom is trying to take me into a place that I've never been. The kingdom is trying to change me. And Jesus is trying to, with the seed of the word, break it out. It is a kairos moment that happens and that is to be happening over and over and over in my life. And so because of that moment being created in my life, if the soil is shallow, the pressure will be too great and it will just be an emotional experience and I will run away from the moment. So when the sun comes out and begins to beat down on the plant, there are two choices. It can either allow itself to focus on the roots to dive deeper and pull up the nutrients necessary in order to press through the moment, or it gives up. And that's exactly what happens in spiritual growth is that as God plants a seed and it shows it into our lives through another person, through our own uh, devotional reading, through a sermon, through something we hear on the radio, through an interaction that we have at work, at school, then all of a sudden God is trying to break out of our lives. And so we either have to look at that moment and it will call us to some very difficult things. Like sometimes the Lord will ask us to do some difficult things. Following the Lord in baptism can be a very difficult thing to do because you have to conquer your fear. It is the the, the kingdom trying to break out in your life. 
Beginning to give biblically can be a very difficult and frightening thing to do. I get that. Like, I have financial pressures just like everybody else, and I understand the difficulty of that. But it is the kingdom trying to break out of our lives. Sharing your faith with another person can be a very frightening thing to do. Opening up and sowing the the word into somebody else's life. But as the Lord plants that seed in our heart and it tries to grow and the Kairos moment tries to come out, then we have one of two alternatives. We either step into that Kairos moment, we step into the fear, we step into the sacrifice and we realize it is the word of God that is causing this trouble in my life. It is not anything else. Then it becomes the onus is on me. How am I going to respond to what what the word is calling me to do. And those who are deep followers of Christ, they tend to face those moments and get stronger. And those who only have an emotional commitment tend to get weaker. Okay. And they run from the moments. And so as followers of Christ, and we look at this parable and we're already in the kingdom, then this would mean, okay, hey, I need to be careful about being a shallow individual when it comes to what the Lord is trying to do in my life. The kingdom wants to break out. Now, we look at the third thing, and he makes an application on it. He says, still others, like seeds sown among the thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth. Now, this is pretty cool, I think. It's not wealth. It's the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires of other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. So here's the plant. It comes out and it's wanting to grow up, but the thorns are just weaved in and out all around it and it chokes off the stock and it can never make the head of grain. It can never produce So it never does what it is designed to do. And why does Jesus say that it happens? Is because the the deceitfulness of wealth. Sometimes we get caught up in wealth because we need money in order to function, but sometimes it deceives us and it gets us so caught up in the pursuit of the wealth itself that it chokes out the kingdom of God being produced in our lives. Sometimes it is just, just the simple worry about how we're going to navigate through life and anxiety that happens and we get anxious over things and it chokes the word from being fruitful in my life. Uh, Sometimes it's just that I'm focused on other things. As I look at this this parable, I think that all of these um, different things are are certainly applicable uh, to the culture that we live in, but I think this one right here in verse 19 is probably the most applicable for those of us who reside in Johnson County. Like people around here, man, they're good people. People are so into their kids. Hear me on this. People are so into their kids in this community that their children become idols. Like they will do everything for their kids, go everywhere chasing them around, but not take any time to consider the things of God, thereby short-circuiting the very desire that they have in the first place is to see their kids have an incredible experience in life. If you don't give them a spiritual experience and Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, you are failing miserably, and it is the whole basis of the relationship that you have with the kid of trying to give them the great experience in life that you're failing them. 
and they become an idol. You're trying to just make everything perfect for them. Listen, if you wanna make a, a great sacrifice for your kids, then get serious about your relationship with the Lord and their relationship as well, and you will see the fruit of God begin to bloom in your life, and it will impact every other area of their lives. Their confidence in school, their confidence in sports, their confidence socially, um, everything that happens ab about them will be improved as you begin to help them focus on the things of God as opposed to being caught up in the things of the world. Now, there's nothing wrong with any of these things, any of these extracurricular activities. I wholeheartedly believe in them, and that's why my basketball team today is going to go win the last game and become the champions of the league, okay? But I have to be careful because sometimes there's, the kids are getting to experience so many things that I feel like my kids are getting left out. And if I'm not careful, I'll try to keep up with everybody else in this community and I'll leave off the thing that is the most important. And so I want to be careful and realize that that stuff is trying to choke out the fruit of God in our lives. And I don't have to keep up with them. Like, I, I don't worry about it. There's so many people like they worry. So, well, you know, if we don't get our kids started early in sports, then, you know, they're not going to have an advantage. Let me tell you something. Kevin Durant could have started playing basketball when he was in the 10th grade and still been in the NBA. Why? Because it's in him. And your kid can start playing basketball at two and never make it to the high school team. Why? Because it's not in him. Okay? And that's just the way it is. So, sometimes people are just gifted better than others. And so we can't get caught up in going, oh man, if I don't keep them in everything, there's, there's going to be a disadvantage. So certainly there's advantages to gaining experience. But listen, man, I, I've coached kids from, from second grade on up. And really, sometimes I go, why are they even starting? These kids can't even hardly, they can't throw a basketball. And we're trying to teach them to dribble it. And so like all these bad habits, that's a different, different philosophy. I'm trying to choke out the word here. So anyway, don't let that stuff get in. Don't, don't get caught up in that. Realize the most important thing for you is Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of Christ and all these things shall be added unto you. And so then he tells us the final application and he says, others like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop 30, 60, or even 100 times what was sown. And so, what do we want to look for? What do we want to be? Good soil. Like we want to be good soil. Like when the, when the word is sown into my life and as I read it, the, the first thing I want to go is, is my soil good enough to receive this word? And I don't mean good indeed. Like I don't mean like you're a good person and you're trying to do all this good stuff. I mean that your soil is healthy and fertile so that the good God is trying to do when he sows it in your life, it can happen and that kairos can come out. And the only way for that to happen is for us to have good soil. And so in, in this application that Jesus, or this interpretation that Jesus makes, he shows us that the follower of Christ faces three enemies. It's the devil, it's our own flesh, and it's the world itself and the things that are in the world, our desires for it, the things that pull us away from, from Christ. And so we face these three enemies. And so Jesus has given us some good stuff, okay, to make sure that we have good soil. 
So how can you ensure that your soil maintains this place of health in order that when the kingdom wants to break out in your life and a kairos moment is happening, it can, it can blossom into 30, 60, 100 fold of harvest. Well, here's, here's, here's three things, four things that, that the Lord has given us. First of all, prayer keeps my soil soft. If, if, if a hard heart will keep the soil from penetrating and the devil can come swoop by and steal something away before it ever has a chance, then I want my soil to be soft. And the soil of our lives is compacted by traffic. Like if you ever look at soil, it's always compacted by traffic. If no one ever, like, if, if no one is walking there, then it's not as compacted. And so what, what this tells us is that in, if we look at prayer as an ability to keep our soil soft, so when I, when I challenge you to pray, don't, you can't take the attitude of, well, in order for me to be religious, that I need, I, I need to be a person of prayer. No, 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 no. In order for your soil to be soft so that when the word comes in, it can penetrate. You need to pray because in prayer and as you talk to the Lord and you just have a conversation with him, he will show you what people should not be walking on the heart of your life. He will show you what things should not be coming into the sound of your ears. He will show you what sights you need to avoid and allow not, not allow to come into your mind. You see, through prayer, the Lord softens the soil of our hearts as we're in conversation with him so that when the word comes, we can be receptive to it and that Kairos moment can take place. So prayer softens the soil of my heart and the word keeps my soil deep. So as I talk to the Lord about my heart and talk to him about my desire to follow him and I keep myself in the word, then the word deepens my soil. So shallow soil receives a kairos emotionally, but loses interest and gives up. But exposure uh, or when, it, when it's exposed to the sun, it feels the heat of it and it runs. But, but a person who has softened their heart through prayer I can, and you're talking to the Lord, man, there's nothing, there's nothing greater than just to be in a conversation with the Lord and, and you're just talking to the Lord and all of a sudden, like as you, you finish your prayer, you get in the word and, and you're praying and all of a sudden something comes up from the scripture and God speaks to you, man. When that happens, you got to write that stuff down. You got to write that stuff down. And you start talking to the Lord about it. Like for me, I have this whole series came out of, of, of this, this particular parable here is that the Lord has started showing me, listen, Jimmy, like, like here, it's all about good soil. Like you got to sow the seed of the word into good soil. So I started asking the Lord, Lord, I need good soil to sow in. Bring good soil across the path of my life so that I can sow the seed and get the hundredfold harvest. Like I want to see souls come into the kingdom. So I'm asking the Lord for good soil. Like, like I, here's the deal. Like if you're not good soil, I don't even want you to hang around here. Why? Because I'd rather somebody with good soil be sitting in your seat. Now, that may sound harsh, but there's a lot of things that Jesus said that was harsh. Like, good soil is the only thing that can produce, and if people just want to be hard 
and stand away from the truths of God, I have nothing to offer them because my whole worldview is based on everything that Jesus taught. And so I want to be in the midst and surround myself with people who have good soil. Now, does that mean they're good people and they have everything figured out? No, I'm not a good person in having everything figured out. The only thing good about me is Christ. That's it. And I'm walking with him and I'm keeping my soil soft and I'm trying to make it deep. And so the word deepens my soil and then church keeps my soil balanced. You know, the soil has this pH in it and it has this acidic value. And and I'm going to quit the illustration right there because I'm not a gardener and I'll make a mistake. But it has to be balanced in order to produce. And there are tests that you can take to balance the soil and, and tell you what it needs in order to produce at its maximum ability. If the world is that which crowds out the kairos, then church is the gift that God has given us to help us stay balanced in life. And it's like, you know one of the reasons it's so difficult to, to maintain a discipline of being faithful in your church attendance? is because the devil himself knows the more faithful you are to church, which is the body of Christ, the more balanced you're going to be as an individual and the more of a harvest is going to come from your life and the kairos moments are going to start happening the deeper you plug into the body of Christ. So the deeper you go into the body of Christ and church and and the Lord has given us that, it, it, it helps us to stay balanced in our lives. And so either the world will crowd out your kairos moment or your kairos moment will crowd out your, the world and church helps us choose the latter. And then finally, ministry keeps my soil productive. And so the prayer keeps the soil soft. The word keeps my soil deep. Church keeps my soil balanced and ministry keeps my soil productive. So when I find a place to minister, it helps me to stay productive in producing the fruit of the harvest. So when I'm ministering at church, one of the things I love about being in full-time ministry is it helps me to be more productive spiritually because I'm totally focused in it. And that, that's a wonderful, humbling experience to be in is that God has called me into that. But listen, when, when I was in between ministries and working in the corporate world, church and ministry remained a vital part of my life. As a matter of fact, my entrance into ministry happened because church and ministry were so important to me. And so as I made those things a priority, then the harvest started being produced in my life. And so we have to find places within ministry that we can minister to other people. That's why we say at our church that, that, that the pastors are the administers and the people are the ministers. Because if I can't get you ministering, you can't stay productive in your life spiritually. The more you minister to others, the more the kingdom of God can break out in your life. Why? Because it puts you in a position of like it's, it's a necessity for God to show up in your life to help you through the moment, to help you through teaching a lesson, to help you through ministering to someone at the hospital, to help you through going and loving on a person who's grieving. And so you look to the Lord and you say, Lord, I I don't know. I don't know what to say to this family who just lost their baby. 
My, my, my first funeral was the oldest member in my church. My second funeral, I was 29 years old. My second funeral was a five-month-old baby. My third funeral was a man I didn't know who committed suicide. All happened within a period of two, three, two months, I think. I'm 29, no pastoral experience. Lord, I don't know what to say. My brother took his life three years ago. I had to go back to Oklahoma to preach the funeral. I preached a lot of my family members' funeral. This was my immediate family. I'd lost my dad in 2010. Now my brother had taken his life on Father's Day. The church is cram-packed. I don't know what to say, Lord. And the Lord reached out in that moment as I sat with him. And he gave me everything to say. And as I ministered to the people, I swear to you with God as my witness that I felt like I was hovering above myself, looking down on the whole experience as God was ministering through me. And my life was producing a harvest. And it wasn't me. It was the Kairos. The time has come for the kingdom of God to break out of your life. Let's just sit in this moment for a moment because it's thick. If Jesus came to die and he rose from the dead, and just stop and think about that for a minute. That's what we believe is he rose from the dead. And he says, if you follow me, you are going to rise from the dead too. But not only that, spiritually, I'm going to rise up in you. If that's what we believe, isn't he worthy of a hundredfold harvest from your life? Here's the big idea of today's talk. The secret of the kingdom is working the soil, praying to keep it soft, staying in the word to keep it deep, like ministering to keep it productive, and going to church to keep it balanced. Like, just work the soil, man. Work the soil. I mean, when we work the soil, good stuff happens. That good stuff happens. It's been happening in my life for 20-something years. It's not in my ingenuity. It's not my creativity. God uses all those things, but that's not it. It's, it's just the good stuff of God. Let him do some good stuff in your life. Let the kingdom break out. Thank you for listening to audio from Overland Park Community Church in Overland Park, Kansas. For more information, visit us online at www dot overlandpark dot cc